Justice, and I am the CEO of 24-7 Teach. Welcome to the Education is Broken and We Are Here to Fix It podcast. I am joined by my partner and co-host. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. It's Dave Furness here. I am the Senior Vice President of Marketing for 24-7 Teach, and as always, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. All right, and our guest today is one of my favorite educators of all time. Everyone, good day. My name is Whitlin Antoine Fillion. I am the CRO of 247 Teach. I'm also an educator, currently a classroom teacher, as well as instructional designer. And I am so happy to join you guys today. Yeah, it's great for you. Thank you for being able to join us with. I know you're taking time out of your busy day to, to come and have a chat with us. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Yes. Yes, so I know, Whitman, you have some very strong feelings and emotions about our content today in terms of education is broken and we are here to fix it from a teacher's point of view. So for me, in my perspective, I think educators are not doing enough. And I say that because not that I think that you don't have a lot on your plate. You have more than enough on your plate. And I don't think as a as an educator myself, I don't think people understand the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis. But what I mean is I don't think you are realizing how much power you have to take control of the situation to get what you need to do the job I know that most teachers really want to do. Those are the things that we would like to talk about and see if we can empower more teachers to take a stand and to grab their power to make the changes needed that our kids need. So what what do you think about that? Well, Justice, it's kind of like the age-old adage, I guess we can say, where do you want to fight the battle or do you want to fight the war? And Mm -hmm. I believe that when it comes to education, there is a war. However, when you're thinking about educators or teachers, I have to say, as an educator, I often think there is a great difference between being an educator and a teacher. So let me make that (laughs) clear as well. We won't go into that right now. But we have to think about there is a greater war when it comes to education as a whole. And although, yes, educators do have a lot of power to make change, but oftentimes, as you said, because of the full plate of responsibilities before us, a lot of educators, a lot of teachers tend to simply focus on the battle, the battle at hand, as opposed to let's focus on the big picture of the war in terms of making change and education reform and instructional reform. And so I think that's where, for educators, for teachers, it's what are you going to do? Are you going to fight the war or are you going to fight the battle? And often the battle wins. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Obviously, I understand, Justice, what you're saying when it comes to it's, it's an educator's responsibility. But I, again, I'm going to take it back like from my personal experience being back in school, in college, going through university. I think everybody has a mixed experience when it comes to their educators or their teachers. There's good and bad out there. And I know for sure there was, I would say it did seem to be more the younger teachers who were, and there could be a million social uh, economic reasons for these you know they're, they're new to the career they're excited they're full of you know enthusiasm 
but yeah, we, we there would be some great young teachers who would innovate, and they would innovate in the classroom and innovate with sort of methods and learning styles. And these are the teachers and the educators who are most likely the ones who are going to listen to this right now and, and they're going to understand the problem. They're going to understand, yes, education is broken and there's going to probably going to be a hunger there for them to fix it. And I hate to say it, but the vast majority of the teachers that I had were very much in the other sector who were slightly older generation taught by going through textbooks and read, write, remember. And basically they were just a page ahead of us in the book and there was no enthusiasm there. It was they were there to get paid, to go home, waiting for retirement. And I think for those people, they don't care enough. They don't care. For them, it's just a job. It may have started out as a career. It may have started out as a profession where they really wanted to change and shape the world with the younger generations. But I just did not see that with the vast majority of my teachers. And maybe, maybe I'm the odd one out. Maybe I had a bad experience. But yeah, so that's... A curious one from my point of view, I find that we have, yes, I don't like to, we shouldn't demonize teachers. I know personally, I've got teachers here in the UK, which are friends of mine, and they're incredibly passionate people about what they do, and they love what they do, uh, and they want to see the change. They understand the system is no longer serving the purpose that it once did maybe 30 years ago. But they feel like their hands are tied, whether that be through curriculum, through the school itself, through funding, whatever it may be. They literally do the best they can, but the best they can is not going to change the situation. Can you relate to that at all, Widlin? Is there something there which along those lines? I definitely agree with you. And I think one thing we have to think about is the fact that education in itself is a big conglomerate, right? As a teacher, you have to deal with, you know, the bureaucracy. You have to deal with lack of support from school systems, administrators. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, people keep forgetting this group here, which I believe is very important. It's parents. And I think if you're going to really have education reform, yes, teachers and parents need to become allies and really come together to demand change. Because oftentimes, it's not going to be from the administrators or the school systems that are going to say, okay, let's change. And if you look at a lot of education reform that you read about, that people have, or most people who call themselves education reformers, most of them haven't even spent a day in the classroom, and they're only experience with teaching is the fact that, oh, they had a teacher, which is great. And, you know, and if you can go ahead and reform, I welcome it. But I think we're forgetting the fact that for change to truly happen, there are significant groups that have to come together. And in Mm -hmm. my experience, and really quickly, I'll mention my experience is because so people understand where I'm coming from. I'm not just coming from one point of view. I mean, I've taught in two different states in the U.S. I've taught also in Canada. So I've been all over North America a little bit. So I've seen, and I've taught all grade levels, from elementary to high school to also adults who are coming back to school to get their high school diplomas or, you know, to put their GEDs. And also I've trained teachers and write curriculum. So I'm coming from a complete experience, I must say, and I've seen different things. But one mm-hmm. of the things that always baffled me is the fact that, and I've, had, and I've had the opportunity to have great parents, support, and involvement in my classroom, but that's been from a lot of work on my part as a teacher. But one of the things that I find with parents sometimes, we have a lot of parents who are not involved enough 
who are not yeah. understanding their own power in their child's education. You have parents who just send their kids to school. Okay, well, you go to school. That's the teacher's job to do what they need to do. And I believe for us to see change, that has to also come together. Because mm -hmm. you have the teacher who is doing the teaching, who is doing the educate, you know, part of the education, and then you have the parents who need to demand change for their child, for their children. And I think until those two come together, we're going to continue to have a broken system, you know, a system uh -huh. that is not working, that is not meeting the needs of all children or students. I totally agree. In fact, it was actually in the last episode, we had Chelsea, who's a VP of Supplemental Education. She, I can't remember if it was on the recording or, or just before we started. She was saying how her eldest child was getting a ridiculous amount of homework for the sort of mm -hmm. age that he was, the grade he was in. And mm -hmm. it was to the point where he was getting unhappy. It was, it was just like every night, mountains and mountains of homework. And she messaged a couple of other parents and they were feeling the same. So basically the parents went to the school and just said, mm -mm, this is too much, the, you know, the, this is not sustainable. And lo and behold, less homework happened. So it's like when parents realize that they do have a power, I totally agree. It's when you own your power, when you claim the power that you have, when you recognize that you can change something, you can mm -hmm. facilitate change. And I, but I totally agree with you because I see it here again in the UK all the time. It's like some parents, as soon as the child leaves the door in the morning to go to school, they just put their hands up and say, right, he's the teacher's problem now or she's the teacher's problem now. And then when they come home at school, there's no supplemental work going on at home in some cases, which is bad. And, you know, I think there's a lot of parents wrongly have the attitude that, oh, you should be teaching my child this. You should be teaching my child that and actually right. not supplementing that at home as well. So I think, yeah, I think that is probably a, a great point is that parents and teachers need to come together and recognize that, yeah, that together they can facilitate a change. But it only works if they're all on the same page. It's not us versus them. It's everyone together. Well, you made a point, David, that I find very interesting where, mm -hmm. where you have a parent. And I think that's what teachers often find in terms of relationship with parents, that parents show up when they feel like something is wrong, when they feel yes. like something is a matter, which is very important because that's also necessary. But I think course, also yeah. parents need to show up too when they feel like their child has like a great teacher who is doing some significant things with their students. Because I think that's why sometimes there is like a tug of war with parents mm -hmm. and teachers where the only time you hear from a parent is when, oh, something is wrong. My child lost this and my child has too much, you know, too, yeah. too much homework or whatever, which is very important. But I think at the same time, too, because in my experience, I have found that, I mean, I remember one year I had a parent in a school where I was teaching that literally threatened because the parent worked at the school as well. And the parent threatened the principal if the child was not in my class they would quit their job because of what I did in my classroom and the way that I taught, because I've always been a project-based learning kind of teacher. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because yeah. I believe that education has to be relevant. It has to be multidisciplinary. It cannot be done in a vacuum of one subject, you know, one subject at a time. I yep. think that's how we live. That's how we really function in the world. And so because I've always been that way, for this particular parent, I had two of her children before. And so when her third child was going to the school system, she literally went to the principal and said, I've been working here for 15 years. Everybody loved me, but if my child is not in this Antoine class, back then I was with Antoine, um, if my class is not in this, in this class, you know, next year, I quit. 
And the principal had to do that. And a couple of other parents who were like committee members because they had participated in a year-long project with me, with their children, where we did a year-long project. They said the same thing. They were like, I want my child to be back in that class because if she does not a project, I want to participate in it. And so I think having experienced that, I saw as an educator really my power in terms of like not only to just influence my students, but also the parents, because the parents then can stand up and say, you know what, since my child has been in this classroom, I've been involved, I've come, I've done things, they've done fundraising for different projects that we did. They were so involved in a positive way, not just calling you to tell you your child is not behaving properly or doing what they need to do, but that how you know, the different projects and the different things that we were doing in our classroom that they requested that. And so parents do have that power. And I think once we start doing more of that, as opposed to just complaining, but also when something is great, or let's say you know something is happening with certain teachers in a, you know, in certain classrooms, to really demand that your child is a part of that. And, that, and you can even push it to the place where the school will implement a change. And I've seen that happen as well. I've seen parents rise up with teachers and demanded something happen with a particular school, and they won. And the school had to change. They had to change the way that teaching and pedagogy and even the school curriculum was being implemented and what the school curriculum was. So I think that's very important as well to understand. It's like we have to have positive change type of alignment with parents, not just the complaint, the complaint, the complaint, which, as I said before, are also very important. No, I agree with you. And as a previous administrator and someone who was actually in charge of this type of communication and the relationships that parents had with educators, there's so many social issues that go beyond what happens in the classroom and what happens at home that create barriers for the type of relationship that you're talking about, Whitland. So I give you an example. So working with young educators... Some of them, they have great intentions, right? They come through the education programs, and I'm not going to really name a lot of them. And they come into the classroom, and they love the students, love the students, Mm -hmm. but are very fearful of the parents. Mm. And a lot of that comes from the social issues and and one of them being, you know, most teachers do not look like their students. They don't come from the same environment or have the same backgrounds that their students have. And so you cannot blame an educator for not growing up with a lot of different cultures around them and not being able to accept, deal with, and work with and communicate with different cultures, different people from different income demographics, all of the above. So when you're asking a a new educator to come in and speak to, let's say, a person who, as a parent, has been formerly incarcerated or looks a certain way or speaks a certain way, they automatically put their guard up. And when that guard comes up, the communication changes, and essentially there are great barriers to the type of relationship that you spoke about earlier. And I see that and have seen that a lot. 
If I can interject really quickly, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I definitely, as an educator, understand that. But one of the things I've found in my experience that really breaks down that barrier is when a parent sees that you care about their child. And I say that because I have worked with many different groups. But one thing I notice is that when a parent sees a teacher who cares, truly cares, not just about, you know, that they pass English or that they pass math or just what's happening in the school, that they pass a test, but truly sees an educator that cares about the well-being and the success of my child, it starts to break down the barriers a little bit. There may still be some social issues that are still there and you have to work through, absolutely. However, when that is there, and I understand that a lot of teachers, we love, our, we, we love to work with children. That's what we, we do, what we do. But when a parent sees that there is a genuine care about my child and what happens with my child, not just in school, but also in life, I believe that is a great way to begin to break down those barriers. Yeah, and I would have to say that a parent has to have the lens to be able to see that. And there are some parents that don't necessarily have that lens either. So from my point of view and my experiences, I've been blessed to be able to travel throughout the U.S. to a lot of major cities and large school districts and see a lot of classrooms in those school districts, interact with teachers, administrators. And the number one issue or barrier to education quality is access to a great teacher. And what I mean by a great teacher, I mean someone that is intellectually prepared to teach a specific subject matter. Someone that, as you said, Whitland, that has a genuine care for the learners in their classroom and someone that has the power to be able to communicate the knowledge that they have and relate to a learner. And regardless of where you go to school, regardless of how much money is in the school district, how much technology is out of school, that is the number one problem that all schools face in the United States. And probably in the most funded schools, you may have 30% of educators that are at that level. And looking at that number, and this is my own personal guess, and, and I would even say almost up to 40%, that in each school there's literally 40% of educators that are excellent educators and are really changing the lives of their students. But what about the rest? Can you speak to that? Well... <laughs> to tell you the truth, Justice, I think that's where before when I said there is a difference between being a teacher and an educator, because I feel oftentimes I just, for me personally, I like use the two different terms differently, where it comes to where I feel like a teacher is someone who basically, who might be like, you know, really good at teaching and have really good abilities, but probably someone who just sees that as, as a job. This is my job. I go and I do it and I come back. But an educator is a calling. And so, and I kind of feel like, you know, and when you feel that this is your gift, this is your calling, this is what you were purposed to do in this world, then you're not going to sit back and just 
merely do it. You're going to push and make sure that the children that are before you, the students that are before you, that they are getting the best education possible. So you will do the work to be intellectually prepared. You will do the work to be able to communicate. And you also have that genuine care and concern for your students' success in life. Not just success on a test, not just success on a report card, which are very, which are important because that's part of school. But at the end of the day, you want them to be successful, to go out into the world and compete and be able to achieve success. You know, whatever their path they might, that they might choose. So I think that is really the difference. And when you go into different school districts, because I have worked with many different types of teachers, and I've seen it in every school I've been, I have yet to be at a school where 80% of teachers were educators and were there to actually really go beyond what is required. But I also have to say something, and I kind of, because I have a different perspective from when I was a single teacher versus now being an educator who is married with children. And I say that because I think that's a factor as well for whether or not a teacher takes up the fight or not. Because I think when you have a teacher, I, you know, as a teacher for almost like 10, 12 years, I believe, um, I, I would say, when I was a single teacher, I was always ready, you know, to put a battle and ready to go. And, you know, that, that was a reality. But once I became a mom, I realized one of the things that I see sometimes is that when you have a parent who is also a teacher, it's a lot harder oftentimes to continue or to take up the mantle of the fight because of the fact that they have to think about, okay, do I have enough energy to then now go home to also take care of my child? And I think one of the things that we have to realize, and, you know, we've discussed this, is the fact that you have to think to yourself, the fight that I take on is also that tomorrow my child can benefit from it. But you don't, oftentimes when teachers are like in it, they're not really understanding that difference, you know, that that needs to do that. So I think you also have to think about it that way as well, because you have teachers who are also parents, and oftentimes, you know, the, the needle doesn't always go towards the part of let me fight for change. That's definitely a great point, Willie. Definitely a great point. Well, first of all, I definitely don't want to seem like I'm bashing educators. I'm not. I come from a family of educators and... A woman who is my great aunt, actually, I call her Aunt Rebecca. She was an educator in Newark, New Jersey for at least 30 plus years. And she is the one that really made an impact in my life in terms of education. But, and I I definitely say but, I want educators who hear this to understand that you have a power. And also... With that power comes great responsibility, as they say in Spider-Man. Absolutely. <laughs> and that power is not just what happens in the classroom. That's, and Whitland said it best, that's a day-to-day battle. And that yeah. is a tremendous responsibility. And I've, I've been there to the point where, okay, you have to worry about managing behavior. You have to worry about knowing the routines that you're going to put in place for this particular lesson. You have to worry about, okay, are my students understanding what I'm teaching or do I have to reteach it tomorrow? And you know what? I can't reteach it tomorrow because I'm scheduled to teach something else. Making split-second decisions in order to reach a goal that is put in front of you by 
people in sometimes circumstances that are that they just don't understand what's realistic and what's not. I want to say that you have the power to change that. And our company is here to make the way for you to see that power. And essentially, when I say the power, when you look here in the, in the U.S., there were eight states that had teachers that cohort, they went on strike. And were they successful in everything and getting everything that they wanted? And were they successful in the statement that they made? In some cases, yes. And in some cases, no. But when you realize that you have the power and you know what changes need to be made, it is your responsibility to step up. If you're not getting the training that you deserve and you need for your kids to be successful in the classroom, be that squeaky door that gets people to know here's the situation, access to the right curriculum. If you're not getting the time to teach the curriculum to where your your learners are getting it, be the squeaky door, speak up. And when all of us start speaking up to the issues, and I mean, obviously the issues are apparent, when we start speaking up to with the answers, then that's where change will be. I would just quickly just add something before I'm complete. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, you know, Justice mentioned the fact that if you're not getting the right training, the right resources, definitely as teachers, we definitely have to stand up because oftentimes as a trainer, when I go in to train teachers, one of the things that I hear is, oh my gosh, I wish I had this training in the beginning of the year. Or mm-hmm. I wish I had this training at this time of the year because by the time they receive the training, it's sort of like they're, it's too late to really implement it or if they implement it, what impact will it really have? So I think it's, you know, one of the things that we do in our company here with 247 teaches the fact that we are working very hard and very diligently to make sure trainings are there and are available. And there are other companies that do that as well. But I think here for us, you're getting the chance to get the training and implement it because part of the training is implementation. And I think that's where it becomes an issue for teachers is getting the training and implementing it that you see, is it working? Is it helping your students? And I think not to forget at the same time, too, besides getting the training, that we have to start seeing parents as a resource and not a threat, not one more thing to do, but really as a resource in the education of our young people because they play such a tremendous part. So we have to do a lot of work as teachers to involve parents, to find ways to involve parents, to really bring them into the classroom, to find out what are their strengths, what are the things that they can add, and really have them be a part of that whole process. So I think that is a place where we can start to stand up. Of course, there's not enough, enough of us standing up, which is why we're not, you know, <laughs> change is not happening as quickly as we would like them to like to see it. So more of us have to stand up and really demand what is needed. But I think if we work diligently and work really hard at finding the right resources, and utilizing the resources that we have at our fingertips, which are our parents, and really get them involved and also informed 
as much the needs are so they can also see their power and how they can affect change. I believe that's where we will begin to see a great and unprecedented change in education. And <laughs> Whitlin, I think it's a fantastic point uh, to end this podcast on. Let's find out more about what we are doing here at 24-7 Teach, then head over to 247teach.org. That is 247, the numbers, teach.org. And you can find out what we're up to and how we're going to change the world of education. If you want to see more hands-on stuff about project-based learning and the programs that we're currently trialing and rolling out, then head over to 247learningacademy.com. Again, it's 247learningacademy.com. 